What the truck, man? Too long, too long of a break. When's our yeah. last show? Was last show was like a Monday of last week. I don't even remember. I don't know if I remember the format, dude. It's been so long. <laughs> well, we'll do our best. We're a little rusty. We'll get our ring rust off with you. I know. Always come back. Thanksgiving is one of the hardest ones to come back for. It is. Because you usually take like that Wednesday off, and then you're through Friday, and then that's right. M- some people take Monday off too, so it's kind of a wash. <sighs> and then like finally by Wednesday. We're up to full speed. You're back I'm Dooner. That's the dude. What's Amen. Up, hey, yeah. Happy Wednesday. December 1st, bro. December 1st. You know what we need to do? What? We need to get out and steal us a Christmas tree, man, and get into the season full on. It's December 1st, bro. We're we flying fact- into it. Look, I already got some of the stuff here. I got some oh, Christmas nice. lights under here. We're going to get a tree yeah. after, uh, after the show. Hopefully, we can fight against the panic buyers. Remember we were talking about panic buyers last week with the Christmas trees? We have some people who, let's take a look at some of these Christmas trees here. This guy here, that's way bigger than his car. Is that multiple trees? Like, panic buying gone what to is the that? extremes. Is that Clark Griswold? Who else we got? Let's see. No, <laughs> that, that, that's there's definitely Clark. not legal. I hope you put a flag <laughs> on that one right there. Yeah, that's over. Like, there should be <laughs> a red flag there. There's a station wagon with a giant. And here's another. Sweet. This is a van. So that's a gigantic tree. Because you're looking at the van right there. Yeah. And that's just consuming the entire. He must have cut that down <clears> in the woods. <throat> that's from the Where water. is this guy going to put this thing? Even the kids are getting into it, too. Come on over Look here. this little kid out there. Look. He's got to grab. Is that your kid? Panic buying. Got to get an extra one. No, I got. I so I went out on Black Friday. My yeah. my report from out in the field. I I was at Walmart. I got some Christmas lights over there. It seemed like any other day. It was not. It didn't. Yeah, seem I was like, out a little bit on Friday too. There wasn't many things yeah. special happening. The Christmas tree lot by Walmart pretty packed though. A lot of people yeah. there. And prices, dude. They had sky like I think last year. The like a seven foot tree was yeah. about sixty five to eighty five, depending on the trim and all those kind of things. Yeah. That lot this year you were looking at. 95 to like 125 for the same size footers. tree and now i got that big ceiling in my house so i wanted to get Ooh, like you need a decent tree this 11 yeah. foot one yeah yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. it was like 300 dollars. yeah and i thought it would like crush the roof of uh, my wife's car <laughs> yeah but that's that's insane either way we have a very what the truck christmas coming up on the 17th it's our christmas special it's our last show of the year and we want to do a big give back to the freight community. And we'll yeah. tell you a little bit about how to get onto it, but I'll give you a tease here. We're looking for ornaments with your company logo to put on. There's no, like, charge or fee or any of this. No. This is just a give back to the freight community. We're also looking for, if you saw last year's, we had all these different shows here and other offices and stuff, and they would wish the freight community a sure. very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you like saying. The more festive, the better, the more likely we are to show it. Film some videos, 20 seconds or less, send them to us. We'll put you on there, and we'll give you the whole cheer factor. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. Get those videos in. It's going to be awesome. I gotta, I'm got uh, writing my uh, Christmas uh, family Christmas uh, video, music video this year again. I'm looking forward to it. Last year's uh, was excellent. Last year was the first one I did. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something better. I'm still working out what I'm going to do with mine, but it's going to be a good one. You know what else going to be good? This show. So we, um, one of my favorite shows of the year, and I know this because Kevin Hill sent out this Google Doc, and he said, pick the 10 best shows of, of each show that, that we do around here. So I had oh, okay. to pick the the shows that we do. I had to pick the What the Trucks. And yeah. one of them was the one with our guest today, Brian Patrick Bork, who's coming oh, cool. on from Seco. He's their chief growth officer, and he gave us a great port report talking about Christmas inventories, all those things, all yeah. the way back in August before a lot of these articles were published sure. about inventory issues coming up to Christmas. Well, he's going to give us his peak season rundown and look forward to 2022 and all of that other kind of stuff. We have DHL Supply Chain's Jim Monkmayer. He's going to talk about uh, the issues that are going to dominate the conversation in 2022. So believe it or not, this year is almost over. 
right at the home stretch. I know it. It's unbelievable. It's flying by quickly. And Traveler Scott Cornell, he's going to teach us how to protect our shipments by carrier vetting for a cargo theft. Plus, we'll go inside the newsletter. We'll bring you today's headlines. We'll do all that. First, we get a tip the fit. First, we got to tip the man. I know. It's a jump. We're all excited around We've here. We've been off for a while. Convoy. We just had these guys on the show. You just saw their ad at the beginning of the show. They're working to improve the lives of carriers and truck drivers with an app that just makes everything simple. Carriers get access to every load, even power only freight from the nation's best shippers. It's all 24 7 through the app. No phone calls. Who wants to make a phone call? It's 2021, almost 2022. To yeah. learn more, tell them, dude. Hey, go to convoy.com forward slash WTT or download the convoy app on Google Play or the App Store to get it started. Headlines! There we go. That's Love it. it. Alright, speaking of retail inventories, retail inventory is up ahead of the holidays but replenish cycle is still lengthy. And it's very interesting, if you were watching Freightways Now yesterday or mm-hmm. you read the What the Truck newsletter, we talked a little bit about how the freight market and these inventory things are aligning. And I think they're telling a similar story. We'll get into that a little later in yeah. inside the news story, but um, inside the newsletter. But Todd Maiden reports that neither waning stimulus and extra unemployment benefits nor peaking Delta variant kept consumers from spending at a robust clip during retail's fiscal third year, which ran through the end of October. The most notable takeaway from the period may be the amount of merchandise retailers took in inventory growth significantly outpaced higher sales when compared to a year ago. So they're finally building those inventories back up. Right. At first blush, it appears that retailers have completely rebuilt those inventories after a sustained stretch of elevated consumer buying, signaling a boom cycle for trucking is nearing an end. Or is it? Well, yeah, you don't know because uh, the quarter's heightened stock levels are somewhat a little bit distorted, right? The retailers have been ordering merchandise much earlier than normal this year and to meet, uh, uh, to meet what is expected to be record holiday season, yeah. right? The group incurred higher freight costs uh, to do so, with some even bearing the expense of chartering their own container ships also to guarantee the stock needed for the biggest season buying of the year. Yeah, Walmart has done a couple of, uh, we'll, we'll get into that with Brian, but Walmart has, uh, the, the big guys with a lot of leverage, they've been able to insulate this, and they've been able to figure yeah. this stuff out a little bit better than some of the smaller guys. Another tell is that mo- that many retailers had yet to engage in sizable promotions or markdown activities. Right. Merchandise is being delayed and remains tough to source, and you've probably seen that if you're in stores. just not that great of doorbusters this year, not at all. Um, full price selling has carried through the pandemic, and management from virtually every supply chain uh, manager, virtually every supply chain manager said this is going to carry into the fourth quarter, which normally sees all that discounting and all those sales. During the third quarter, Amazon was forced to ship inventory to facilities where labor was uh, was available to unload it. So this resulted in longer trips for them because things were in suboptimal placement. And now, whenever something's happening to Amazon, and why we use them as a barometer is because you can imagine it's going downstream, and it's that much more of a challenge for everyone else where they have to reposition right. their warehousing right. and their freight. FTC, they're looking into this. FTC, I don't know what they can do, but they're looking into it. FTC <laughs> launches a probe into supply chain snarls. Eric Coolish reports the Federal Trade Commission on Monday ordered nine large retailers, wholesalers, and consumer goods suppliers to provide detailed information that will help it investigate how supply chain disruptions are causing hardships for consumers and harming competition. And I'm glad they're bringing this up because it's something we brought up on the show when yeah. the Supply Chain Disruption Task Force was formed and it only invited the big guys to the table. And we said, look, they've already got a competitive advantage in this environment. You need to talk to these smaller retailers who are getting crushed. The Molson Hearts of the world, the Via Hearts. you got to bring them to the table. They brought Walmart, Amazon, Kroger, CNS Wholesale Groceries, Associated Wholesale Grocers, Procter & Gamble, Tyson Foods, and Kraft Heinz. Maybe they talked to Trent Zubery. 
Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they will talk to Trent. In addition to seeking a better understanding of the reasons behind the disruption, the study will examine whether supply chain disruptions are leading to specific bottlenecks, shortages, and anti-competitive practices, which is what we're kind of talking about a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, or can actually contributing to the uh, rise in consumer prices. And I think we're seeing all that. And I think that I it's so good they're having this investigation. Again, I'm not sure what they can do, but it's good for them to uh, look at it, and we'll stay on top of that story. Um, FedEx driving, this is an interesting one. And I yeah. actually had a FedEx package that was supposed to arrive yesterday, and it's delayed. So I hope it's not. Did it have mud in, on, on it? Or I hope it's not in a ditch in Alabama, because a FedEx driver in Alabama <laughs> dropped parcels on six occasions. So he was just going over and he had like a dumping ground. Like, instead of a serial killer dumping bodies, he was like a serial <laughs> package liver just dumping his, his packages all over the place. Mark Sullivan reports, a former driver of FedEx Ground, the ground delivery unit of FedEx Corp, dumped packages in around Blount County, Alabama, on at least six occasions over an unspecified period, the county sheriff said on Tuesday. According to an online report from WVTM, it's a TV station in nearby Birmingham, uh, Sheriff Mark Moon said investigators had identified the driver, but they're re- withholding that information for now. It's possible that as many as 450 packages ended up in that dumping ground. Yeah, so 300, 300 and 400 FedEx ground packages were found last week in the ravine there in, yeah. in Blount County. Right? And that was just last week. So Hayden, six or, occasions, but just last week. There yeah, was, but just yeah. last week they found 400 to 600. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But a bunch, a, a whole bunch, a cater of FedEx ground dr- drivers from around the, the country actually descended on the area to pick these things up and try and get them delivered, man. How, how does that work? Like, they, I, they just pick, I, are they they're independent contractors? I believe they are independent contractors and they own their own routes, right? So I'm not sure why they would come in. So to this do was this, just like a disrupted route. You go pick up the packages, you get paid to deliver them? Is that how it works? I don't know what the uh, thing was going on there. Well, FedEx is investigating it. Hopefully they find out if you have any packages arriving at your house with leaves stuck to it or or water damage. Perhaps they were uh, in that that ravine in Alabama. I don't know. I hope hope my package isn't there. I think it'll be delivered soon. I hope. Let's get over to Jim Mungmeyer, President of Transportation, DHL Supply Chain North America. He can help us look ahead a little bit to next year. Jim, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, guys. Hello. How are you? I said, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I can't complain. It was very nice. Now we're going to do an informal. We're going to do an informal survey real quick before we jump into this. Did you do a lot of your shopping on either Black Friday or Cyber Monday this year? Uh, I can't say that I did. I'm a procrastinator. Wow. Okay. Oh, so he's All still right. he's still holding out. I'm, I'm he's still a- holding out with DHL. You know, we 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 believe in the supply chain. <laughs> there you well, go, man. Hey, he's in the know. There you are. Christmas near the end of the year. Holidays near the end of the year. As we, as we go near the end of the year, we're looking forward to what we might expect in 2022. So start with the question that's top of mind for all of us. What do you think we might see, or when do you think we might see some of these supply chain issues resolving? Yeah, great question. I wish we all knew the answer to that. You know, I think we're going to continue to see slow improvements. Uh, it's just going to be a very slow process. There are several factors that are just driving this to be a sustainable problem. You know, it's clear again just this week that COVID is not going to go away easily and we need to take it really seriously. We've got a lot of people concerned and for good reason. You know, most of us at this point have probably lost a loved one somewhere and we're, we're um, you know, trying to... Um, deal with those things and slowly and surely getting our vaccinations done. But uh, we, we've got to eradicate this thing. I just, just this morning, I had a good friend. We were trying to bring, bring back out of retirement. He was set to start today, December 1st. He said, you know, it's just not safe. And, and, uh, and that's our challenge. You know, the economy is on fire. We're spending on products instead of services, which drives freight up. And, and we got this labor shortage. Notice I didn't say driver shortage. It used to be driver shortage. We thought that was bad. And now, yeah. It's across the board supply chain, but it's also uh, all all other sectors, right? We're just stealing employees from each other. Uh, We have a doctor driver program, which is 
been a, a great program to take people off of our warehouse stocks, the, the, the forklift drivers and train them to be truck drivers. And now I don't have, I, I've got a, a forklift driver problem too, right? I've got, I'm short everywhere across the board and unemployment claims um, are at their lowest level in 50 years. Unemployment percentage is down near the 4% mark. And we're, um, you know, that's back to, you know, essentially normal times over the last 50 years. So the only way we're going to keep the economy going is a supply of workers one way or the other. Um, otherwise, high inflation is going to be the norm. And, um, you know, I think there is hope, though, because things tend to progress over time. Companies are learning how to deal with the virus. Um, you know, we're, we're learning more and, and through, through technology digitalization, we're able to move up and down the, the chain from the uh, our core contracted carriers to spot carriers to the digital freight marketplaces in a matter of uh, minutes with with the technology that we have today. So we, we, we're learning how to deal with it better. But obviously, we're not seeing and we're not going to see rates come down to the levels that they were uh, for some time to come. Right. So, Jim, as you pointed out, and I think we would all agree, these issues are not going to go away anytime soon. They're going to go right into the narrative is going to continue right into 2022. What should companies be putting on their to do list for next year? Yeah, I think first and foremost is talent. You know, keep the good people that you have. Uh, Good pay and incentives are important, but, uh, you know, you need a safe work environment, a positive work environment. We're very focused on diversity and inclusion. Uh, because we know that traditionally, um, you know, we haven't had all sectors of society in the warehouse business, in the transportation business, and we and we know that's an opportunity. We've won multiple awards for a great place to work, top employer. Uh, but I think the thing we're most proud of is with one of our control towers, we did a job fair recently, and we had 23 people referred by other employees. So that tells you they trust the company, uh, they want to grow with the company, and they're willing to bring their friends in. And I think that's what what we've got to focus on in this time where 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 uh, labor is on such short short supply. Of course, digitalization will will be critical um, to fight the cost and capacity challenges that we have today. The uh, optimization of freight, providing visibility to understand where those bottlenecks are uh, as quickly as possible, and the analytics to to deal with them in real time, but also looking at trends to improve your supply chain performance over time and continue to drive costs down. And lastly, of course, you can talk to your 3PL. Um, you know, we share costs and we share learnings. And at DHL, we operate in 220 countries. So we have a good sense of what's going on um, in supply chains around the world. Uh, we've helped customers find alternatives to uh, their traditional routings to set up temporary storage, to get help at, at the ports for uh, congestion issues, finding containers that are lost, um, and just generally providing uh, uh, strong visibility across the supply chain. Wow. So there's a lot to take in there. Yeah. Um, you know, but the end of the year is, uh, is about the season of hope, right? And, and looking forward to next year. So what's something that you're, you're positive about as we move into 2022? You see any good trend lines or, or something that's keeping, uh, keeping the faith? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the technology would be the easy answer. Um, we could talk about that all day long. Uh, there's, there's a lot more to come there. Uh, but I, I think what, what's exciting to me is that companies have doubled down on sustainability. And, you know, it's decisions are being made. Goals are being set at the sea level. There's a lot of work to do. It's going to be a gradual process. But, um, uh, you know, this is a place that we've really uh, been focused since probably back in 2007. You may have seen the announcement. You know, we've we've 
placed orders for electric aircraft. Uh, we're promoting the sustainable aviation fuels, and we built a suite of tools to help shippers measure and reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, but I think in 2022, my, my hope is that this is a year where we really finally start seeing the electric class eights roll off the assembly line. Um, uh, the the batteries are still not long enough to to run some of the routes the the majority of the routes that we run but I think you'll start to see those creeping into the the setup with carriers and with uh, with companies like DHL uh, you'll start to see those electric uh, vehicles and with the infrastructure bill uh, our hope is that that uh, um, fueling uh, uh, infrastructure is put in place across the country to drive the next generation of uh, electric vehicles. Oh, those are some real sensible points, too. I mean, some people say, like, I wouldn't want to be a beta tester for these these Class 8 trucks. But look, somebody's got to take the, the chance on them and, and push yeah. it forward and move that technology forward. And it's pretty cool to hear that DHL has taken an interest and in an investment in that. People want to learn more about DHL and follow you into the new year. Where do we send them to? Yeah, we like to direct people to our, our podcast. Uh, it's uh, If you go to DHL.com slash all business, no boundaries, you can hear directly from our customers about what they're doing, their challenges, and some of their solutions. And from there, you can get to other DHL material if you'd like to see it. And you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Beautiful. Hey, Jim, have a happy new year. We'll catch up with you next year. And uh, good luck to you and the DHL team. You too. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Thanks, Jim. You know, he brings up an interesting point there about the labor and how in supply chain, it's not yeah. just about uh, a driver shortage. There, there's labor shortages throughout. And he's talking about the the Omicron variant or Megatron yeah. or whatever it is now. Megatron, and yeah. it's interesting because, you know, the, the debate is it, there, there's people who they, they kind of think it's like two sides to this thing. There's people who are like anti-vaxxers and there's, yeah. there's vaxxers, but uh, there's definitely subset groups. Like there was parents who vaccinated during the summer, cool, wanted things to be open. They sure. got nervous when school year started because the vaccine wasn't approved for the kids. Correct. Now it's approved for the kids. And now you have this big middle group of people who are like, well, I'm double, triple vaxxed. You know, I've done what I can. It's been out for a while now. Open everything up. Let's just move on with our lives. Yeah. Move on. I, I yeah. think that's actually becoming the biggest group. I, I think it is actually becoming the biggest group, right? Yeah. They're like ignoring it. Yeah, whatever. It's just like a, it's another headline and uh, yeah, whatever. I don't. Because you're sick of it, and you can't. It doesn't go away just because you're sick of it. But I agree with you. That is the. Is it just money? Is that how you solve getting people back in all these jobs, though? Is it? Is it just money? Doesn't appear to be. Yeah, I know. Does not appear. Because Jim just showed us right there. A guy coming out of retirement just said, "Hey, it's too too dangerous." Yeah. Yeah. There's more motivation there than 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 just uh, just what's in your pocket. Yeah, I think some priorities have changed, and uh, definitely with four percent unemployment, and we still have a driver uh, people shortage. People move to different careers. Yeah. Well, I mean, For look, sure. any office that you're in, you're seeing it too. And one of the frustrating things in sort of growth and, and team building is that like you bring people in, you have to train them and you have to work yeah. with them. But the great resignation is great for employees, right? Great opportunity, great sure. mobility. A lot of people I know have been able to increase their their. their yeah, they income. went out and tested their worth and found they it. Did. Where, yeah. But it's sure. a pain in the ass if you're, yeah. if you're somewhere and you're not moving because yeah. there's Amen. new people coming in and out all the time. <laughs> that's so true. that's kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's go deep into the freight market with this gentleman. He did an awesome show with us back in August. It's Brian Bork. He's a chief growth officer at Seco Logistics. He's going to help us break down this year a little bit. We're going to talk about peak season and look ahead to next year. Brian, it's good seeing you. You look like you had a nice Thanksgiving yourself. 
<laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, likewise, <laughs> it's been it's been dangerous around my house because we had we had Thanksgiving, right? So you got like the pumpkin pies, and you got all the Thanksgiving and all the fixins and all the the appetizers. Yeah. And then my kid, he turned five, so we got the birthday. Then you get the birthday party stuff, and somehow we end up with like two ice cream cakes. So yeah, um, I gotta beat the s out of that Peloton pretty soon, man. It's 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 just too much. It's, it's too much. Wear it out. So hey, before we get into it, informal poll, we're just we're asking everyone this today. Um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you do a lot of shopping then? We're seeing numbers on it. They, they look kind of, eh, tepid. Uh, yeah, the what we're seeing is really Cyber Monday uh, doesn't really exist anymore. It's, uh, it's Everything is around Black Friday. The search volume for consumers was all focused on keywords related to Black Friday. Yeah. Uh, we saw orders come through all over the weekend. Um, you know, the year-over-year numbers are, are not as uh, maybe fabulous as people would expect, but that's just because the transition to e-commerce last year was so huge. It was so enormous. We fast forwarded five years in e-commerce evolution in one year. Uh, so year over year numbers, uh, I think for any metric uh, in 2021 uh, is, is should should carry an asterisk with it. So I still think it's a strong year. It's just we, we can't expect uh, a five-year evolution every year. Well, and we also did shows with you, like, will ocean freight ruin Christmas, <laughs> where we told a lot of people, right? We said, look, there's going to be stock man. outs. Yeah. You might be able to, if you want a sneaker, you'll be able to get a sneaker. But if you want, like, the Air Force One sneakers, you got to get ahead of it. You want the PS5, yeah, you want yeah. the Lego Titanic, any of these things, don't wait on them. Don't wait for the deals. And it turns out there haven't been that many great deals this year anyway because of um, because of the inventory. But cargo's flowing. It's peak season. What are you seeing right now over at Seco for peak season? Yeah, well, uh, you know, our, our saying is it's super peak. So uh, peak season never ended. It never will end. We will forever have peak season in our <laughs> careers from now on. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- there, there are signs that really, you know, super peak has, has ended on the kind of international front. Um, you know, uh, Freight Waves itself has reported, as have other media outlets, that the number of ships coming to the West Coast uh, every month have started to inch downwards. Uh, pressures are starting to be relieved a bit. But now, of course, we have um, the holiday peak season. So all the outbound orders uh, are being shipped out. Um, we're seeing a huge surge uh, right now in in orders, uh, in merchandise that we're delivering to stores. Um, so, you know, the foot traffic is back uh, at the same time that e-commerce levels have have remained. Uh, so, you know, I think it's 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 bound to be a strong a strong quarter, uh, but it is a, a shift now to making sure products on shelves, making sure products ready to be fulfilled in the warehouses for e-commerce, uh, and getting those orders out the door uh, and and to homes in time for the in time for the holidays. Um, but the international peak season has moved from super peak or plaid if you're a Spaceballs fan, <laughs> and more into kind of just the the regular peak season. And and you know we, we're watching things up until you know, Chinese New Year and the Winter Olympics. Um, so there's a lot of uh, pressure that will remain until February and uh, potentially, of course, beyond. <laughs> yeah, let's hope we don't hit that ludicrous speed. Yeah. That's the one I that's see your Schwartz yeah, is as big as mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> speaking, uh, speaking, speaking of that, and the, the, pr- the pressure's coming down. Let's talk about the SoCal ports. The Death Star? Yeah, the Death Star. Let's <laughs> talk about the Death Star. Let's, let's uh, 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 Operation Vacuum Suck. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about the SoCal ports, right? Because we're reading different things. Dwell time's coming down. Are they really coming down? Which ones are coming down? Which ones aren't? Where are the, where are the ships at? That type of stuff. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk. I mean, uh, you know, the, there's been improvement at the port of LA Long Beach. Let's let's 
sit and reflect on that. There's a silver lining here. You know, the worst may be over and we may be in a position now where um, maybe we've turned a corner and it won't get worse before it gets better. But it, it's still a lot of congestion. Dwell times are still high and potentially getting higher. Um, you know, you, but you look at some of the things that have been uh, implemented recently that are common sense solutions, maybe should have been done a few months prior, but are at least being uh, put, in, put in place now. Uh, you look at removing the pure pass fees for uh, nighttime deliveries, um, you know, to help keep keep cargo flowing. You're looking at how they're changing and how they have changed when uh, you you essentially join the queue. And so before it was, you had to be kind of, you know, at anchor and then boom, you could, you could join the queue of when you'd get your berthing spot. So that sent these ships rushing, burning fuel. Um, you were talking about sustainability earlier. Now uh, you join the queue and you leave your, your, your last port of call. So so now ships are kind of going back to a, a regular speed, not ludicrous speed, but regular speed when they're crossing the water, which which burns less fossil fuels, but it creates more order and it creates a better flow uh, that that it will ultimately translate into uh, more streamlined operation and uh, you know not everyone kind of rushing to get to you know San Pedro Bay and create that traffic jam. So mm -hmm. things are being implemented now that are 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 beginning to improve that. That emergency fee, or at least the threat of it, because let's see if it ever actually gets implemented, um, seems to be helping to clear out the number of containers that have clogged the port infrastructure as well. So that's down, I think, 20 or 30 percent. So, um, you know, it, it, the pressure's easing, but the pressure's still there, the congestion's still there, uh, but perhaps that light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train. It's actually, you know, uh, how we can see how we may get out of this uh, in the near future. You know, I was looking at the Port of LA's container dwell report, and um, yeah. uh, on 1123, it was at 63,000. 1129 is at 66,000. Thanksgiving, though, the port is closed from that time. Um, I know some of the crane operators there, they're, they're not doing any work at that time. No cargo's flowing. So maybe 66 is a good upper tier. It didn't get into the 70s. That's good for them. But one thing that's going on that um, that is causing a lot of debate right now is... Gene Sirocco was out at the port yesterday, and he said that yeah. container ships at Anchorage are down 40%. Now, they are. They are. But there should be, like, a comma in that sentence, in my opinion, that goes, <laughs> because they're all 150 miles out there. Now, there's a couple problems I have with that statement. One is because it's very front-facing, and people take that statement as, as logic and as reason, and they go, oh, they're really down 40% when they're not necessarily. All those ships are just out there. Smaller importers use that data, and they go, oh, okay, shipments are, are easing, when that's not really the case yet. But also, the seafarers on the vessels, now for them, they're kept 150 miles out from sea and they've already got a rough life. So it's a challenging situation. What do you make of it? Is this just optics and politics? Is there a reason behind the 150-mile thing? Um, and how, how do we acknowledge those numbers? Yeah, that, that's a great question uh, because we do have to kind of come to a, a general understanding of, you know, what, wh where are the goalposts? And, and I, think, I, I, I think it's just simply these were the goalposts that have been set um, and we're all kind of going by the same goalposts. But I, it won't really help optics or, or politics in the, in the long term because eventually all those ships that are you know 150 nautical miles out they're they're all going to come and drop anchor eventually so you know it's just extending the issue further out so we're not going to see a lot of improvement of those numbers based on those metrics so it, it'll catch up if that's really the goal uh, but I th I think ultimately it's just simply uh, this has been the standard these have been the goalposts that have been set. 
um, an asterisk may be required, but there's a lot of other factors at play, including what I mentioned earlier about, you know, vessels not racing over here anymore either. So, you know, it, you can make the argument that the line should actually be be moved all the way to the last uh, the last port of call as well. So what does that number look like? So I, I think it's just semantics. Let, let's stick with kind of what we've known, but certainly let's address the, the broader issue that um, there are these uh, vessels further out, but there's also these other vessels coming. And, and that was something that I think hasn't been focused on as much, where when we saw the congestion in Shanghai last summer, you know, we knew those, those vessels were going somewhere. Uh, and now we know where they are. They're waiting in line. And so, you know, let, let's have a broader conversation around, you know, it's not just a California issue. Um, you know, you look at Savannah, you look at Charleston, you look at Seattle, you look at Oakland, you look at uh, Rotterdam, you look at Shanghai, you look at Singapore. It's it's truly a global phenomenon. And and let, let's see what those numbers look like as well, uh, because, you know, you, you can't just clear up LA and, and, and have everything else be fine because a lot of these ships are, are being diverted. Some carriers have even stopped calling at the Port of LA Long Beach. So they're going elsewhere and it's just, you know, spreading the pain. So I think a broader, more holistic conversation is, is certainly due uh, in relation to, you know, the definition of a congestion and the definition of improvement. Yeah. You know, I, I, but I, I guess my my one issue with it is this. I have a hundred Christmas presents to wrap. I got a hundred Christmas presents <laughs> on the table here, right? I'm like, I need more space. There's too many Christmas presents on the table. So I take 40 Christmas presents and I put them on the ground and I start wrapping my 60. And then I go, honey, I got 40% less Christmas presents to wrap. <laughs> no, I don't, unless she comes upstairs and wraps them for me, right? I still, there's still 100 Christmas presents that, that have to be wrapped at some point <laughs> by a certain time. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Well, now, well, by that very same analogy, that will catch up to you tomorrow because all of a sudden when those, those new presents appear that you need to be wrapped, uh, you got to keep up that... Uh, that, that numbers game. And so for the next three weeks, it looks like you won't be making any progress. So no, let's, um, yeah. either way, it'll, it'll come back at you. Take it to its illogical conclu conclusion. And you've got thousands of presents to, to, to still to wrap dude. Cause I mean, years and years of Christmas. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, well, that, I'm that, just uh, doing it this season. When your son's eight, Absolutely. That's a lot of Legos. That's a lot of Legos. You know what you need? You need a pop-up present uh, location is what you need. Like the pop-up port locations like Walmart has. Well, my wife's not threatening me with a fee. Now, this fee, it's been kicked to the curb three times in a row now. Oh, is yeah. it ever coming yeah. through? Is it yeah. coming through on December 6th? It seems like if, you know, people can be desensitized to these sort of, uh, these sort of warning uh, shots when you shoot three up in the air. Eventually, you got to point the gun. Yeah, the, it, it, it's an interesting lesson around incentives uh, and and really, you know, what moves the needle. Um, if you had asked, if you would ask me where I would put my money um, on whether or not these fees would be implemented or not, I would probably put my money on the fact that they would not be implemented. I wouldn't bet the house on it, but you know, the, the fact that it's already moved a few times, I think goes to show that, um, you know, that introducing additional costs into an already overstressed uh, and congested supply chain can be problematic. However, if the simple threat of an emergency fee is enough to move the needle on clearing out the ports from uh, the number of containers that are that are just clogging the the infrastructure locally there, um, then then hey, that's a, that's a win for all of us. Um, will it ever actually be implemented, and who pays for it? Um, that's a different question. Uh, and yeah, I, I would I would put my money in right now that uh, it won't, but. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of predictions, including from yours truly, um, that have uh, 
been you know a lot of surprises in the year 2021, and uh, the year's not over yet. Yeah. So, um, Brian, we're start, we see a CMA, CGM implementing their own incentive programs, right, to help uh, clear the congestion uh, in Los Angeles, Long Beach. Is this a good idea for people to start going out independently and uh, putting these incentive programs in? I think you're going to see a lot of innovation throughout the industry. And you're, you're going to see, uh, like I just mentioned about removing the pure pass fee, um, there are going to be a lot of, I think, common sense solutions that are going to be implemented. And I think incentives are going to be uh, found everywhere uh, on, on how to create uh, better supply chains. Uh, uh, you know, an, an example is, you know, in order to kind of keep uh, product moving, we 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 were we were promoting to our clients that you should you should you know pull forward your sales as much as possible and and I think that creates a better environment for everyone because I don't know if you noticed but past couple of years the pandemic was a big reason for this but even the year before the pandemic you you didn't see the big rush of people at the stores on Black Friday and and you're now even seeing kind of like you know some stores remaining closed on Thanksgiving and a lot of these deals were happening weeks before Black Friday. And so pulling forward and making so that everything is not focused on one day is actually great for supply chains. It's great for operations. And so you're seeing a number of these initiatives and ideas being implemented by, by carriers, by ports, uh, by uh, 3PLs, freight forwarders. And you're going to see more of that. Uh, and, and we applaud that. that. That type of innovation and real-time thinking is required in a year like 2021 and in particular uh, in, the, in next year uh, coming up as well. Now, do you think the rewarding measures work better than the, the punitive ones where, where you're just hitting people with fees? Because that, that's what really had people up in arms, too, is like, I can't move the container. It's in a closed area. How can yeah. you charge me a fee? I should charge you for not letting me have my container back. I, I, in the world of uh, supply chain, uh, you know, uh, the vinegar and the oil uh, both uh, both have their benefits. And, um, you know, they're... they're there, there are some incentives that can work better in, in one way versus the other, but ultimately you, you need both. Uh, you need both to keep, keep product moving uh, because uh, ultimately there's, there's a lot of incentive not to do things. There's a lot of incentive to, um, to take up any excess slack and, and be freeloaders. There's a lot of freeloading that occurs uh, naturally in the global supply chain uh, and, and creating externalities and pricing everything to their true cost um, does require a bit of this stick approach, uh, but but ultimately, if you can if you can bring a, a little honey into the equation and create some positive incentives, um, that 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 mix is is ultimately what what translates, I think, into a great uh, behavior and great performance amongst all actors because that's what's happening right now, and that's what we're seeing in the microcosm in the Port of LA Long Beach. It is a number of, I mean, we're talking hundreds of private actors, all interacting in, in some kind of a harmony or disharmony. And, and that's truly what happens on the global supply chain. It's not like there's three or four players. There's literally millions. And so you need both to be able to work through all of the issues that happen on a day-to-day -day basis. One shipment could touch 17 different hands uh, between you know, a factory at China and ultimately a consumer's home in Nebraska. You know, 17 transfers that occur. And there can be a lot of breakdowns, a lot of choke points, and, and you, you need both. You need, you need the stick and you need the honey.
Now, what do you think of Walmart's pie? Because you spoke of innovation here. And one of the things that Walmart has done is they have a pop-up port. And we actually have a picture of it here, too. They've uh, gotten some space secured to put some of their containers in. I think one of the crane operators over there, he said, uh, compared to our yard, it's tiny. We would need like 20 more to really help out. These companies will cater to the big retailers. It will cause other cans to probably wait longer. Good for them, but not necessarily for everyone. So are these pop-up port things good for Walmart, good for thee, but not good for ye? (laughs) Uh, I think... I'm I'm really a big believer that any type of innovation like this helps the broader industry. I I really believe that. And an example of that is SECO. We never chartered vessels before this year. This year we chartered a number of vessels, or at least we we, we went to ocean charters and we took up black spaces from these like smaller 500 to 1,000 TEU vessels that are, we were calling at ports like Jacksonville and Portland, um, which uh, at least Jacksonville is more known for containerized uh, imports and exports. But, but Portland, not so much. And, uh, you know, this is something that uh, has introduced us to a new, uh, broader group of options. Uh, even Mon- Port of Montreal received its first container ship in a long time. The Port of Cleveland did as well. Uh, so this type of innovation helps everyone because now we're creating more optionality. More optionality is a benefit to a consumer when you're shopping online, and it's a benefit to an importer as well, even a 3PL or freight forwarder. So at the end of the day, yes, um, will that type of attention of resources help one of the largest importers in the country um, versus others? Yes. In that, in that kind of situation, sure. But the innovation that they're bringing to the industry is going to set up other innovation throughout where we could provide more optionality uh, for the smaller to medium-sized importers, uh, which is really the client base that, that we serve as a freight forwarder in the NVO market. And, and what we've been able to bring to bear with uh, one of our solutions, and we're not the only one that's doing it for the first time this year, but it's just another example where, um, you know, utilizing uh, ports like Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio um, can actually be some, some great options for, uh, for importers. That's very interesting. So, Brian, as, <clears throat> as we move on through into next year, does you see a, a danger of the, the bullwhip cracking and retailers getting stuck with uh, too much inventory as they've been pulling this through? That's a great question, uh, and that is the question for 2022, uh, the reverse bullwhip, because, you know, at, at some point, the, the, sh- the, the shift to purchasing a lot of goods when we could not fly, we could not go on vacation, you know, that, that will eventually come back down to earth. We know it. It's just in, inherent, and it's natural uh, in any cycle, um, and we've already seen a shift more towards uh, purchasing services and going on trips and going to ball games. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's a great experience. I remember the first game I went to live as a spectator this year. Uh, it was, uh, it was a great memory. And, uh, and these are the types of things that people live for. So the reverse bullwhip is going to happen It's a matter of, you know, when, um, but I, I, I do think there's a lot of pressures at, at the manufacturing level. There's a lot of congestion upstream that is pushing out, you know, the curve. Really, we, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, flattening the curve over the past 18 months. Well, the, the, the demand pressures are one thing, but the supply pressures are and congestion is another that is uh, uh, artificially flattening the curve by pushing more and more production and these purchase orders further and further out. And the inventory to sales ratio has finally turned a corner and started going up again. And, and ultimately, where do, where do companies land next year? when it comes to just-in-time or just-in-case inventory strategies. 
that is the question that I think different companies will uh, apply different strategies. Uh, at one point or at some point, someone's going to be left holding the bag. But ultimately, over the past 18 months, if you have inventory, you're winning. And I think companies have seen that, have responded to that. Uh, but there's a lot of catch-up still that's needed. Um, uh, the entire country of Vietnam was shut down for three months and only recently started opening up again. So there's going to be a lot of catch-up that's going to happen all throughout next year. And I think demand for goods will remain strong. It just won't be as explosive as it has been. And then eventually, you know, it will come back down to earth, but it's still going to be in orbit. Uh, people are still going to be buying goods and, and companies' strategies may be different where inventory becomes a little bit more important in factoring in um, safety stock uh, and buffers uh, for the future. Now, let me ask you, before we let you go, there's an article in Bloomberg today that was talking about abandoned containers and how that may become an issue. Yeah. They they kind of use this company, Houston-based Salvix, as, uh, as their hero of the story. They have $5.2 billion worth of goods for sale in their online marketplace. Is that becoming an issue? Are you hearing a lot about abandoned containers? Is A&E going to have a new uh, storage or container wars reality show next year, or maybe FreightWaves TV will, because there'll be so many? You know, anything that involves an asset, whether it's a container, a truck, uh, a trailer, power, chassis, uh, pallets even, uh, cardboard, uh, drywall, I mean, you, you name it. The, the, these are all things that have been in short supply for far too long. And there, there's going to be like in a bathtub and an earthquake, things are going to be topsy-turvy. Uh, but we're still in an environment where um, we need more of these assets to move all of these goods. And eventually there's going to be, uh, you know, when things settle, you know, the imbalance will remain. It will just be a, a you know, a different imbalance. And I think this is going to take years to work through. Whether or not there's going to be reality shows about it, um, you you guys probably would know that better than me. Um, but the, the the imbalance, the shortages, uh, it, it's been it's been too acute for too long, and and I think uh, some type of innovation is going to be needed uh, to get us back to where we have a more balanced uh, uh, asset allocation all around the world for everything that's needed to truly move goods efficiently. But right now we're so far from that uh, that it's hard to even see. Uh, when that day comes. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm with you, Brian. Thank I'll, you. Actually, I'll close out with one. I'll close out with one example. And sure. here, here's a real, real example. Um, there are no new ships being uh, produced right now. Mm. There are none. There were, there were not a lot of order books and, and ships take, you know, uh, 18 months, 24 months, whatever to, to build. And so all these orders that are being placed for ships are not going to be introduced to the year 2023. So what happens next year? still no big introduction of supply of new yeah. ocean capacity. So that's why we're, we're, we're seeing this as kind of a multi-year project to work ourselves out of. And, and what happens is that the capacity is not going to increase next year. However, the relative capacity will increase because every ship that's stuck idle at anchor or 150 nautical miles out, um, that's a ship that's not currently in the capacity. So once congestion clears, relative capacity may begin to open up. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we're not looking at these new, you know, Panamax vessels uh, being intro introduced into the market um, in, in mass for at least another year. Uh, and that's that's why we're, we're thinking, you know, years out to get out of this. Gotcha. Brian, have a very happy holidays. Thank you for joining us on the show and sharing these insights with, with us. Check out Seco Logistics if you like what you heard and you think he can help you. One more time. Thank you again, sir.
Take it easy. All right, let's tip the band. We got to we got keep your trucks full and running on your favorite lanes with Convoy. You can sign up in minutes and get access to all their loads. You know something, dude? Cash is king. With yeah. Convoy, they've got quick pay that carriers cash in two business days for all their loads without any factoring fees. That's nice. Check them out at convoy.com forward slash WTT or download the Convoy app on Google Play or on the App Store to get the good stuff. Nice. Well, with over 400 locations nationwide, Love's Truck Care and Speedco Network are committed to providing a tire program to meet your network, uh, to meet your needs. The Love's Retread Warranty Program combines quality and safety and is designed with your fleet's efficiency in mind. We cover the retread and the casing for the life of the retread. Learn more at loves.com. We actually right. cover tires about two months ago we talked about these shortages over there so oh, yeah. retreading big thing get on it loves all right scott cornell here national practice lead for transformation and crime and theft specialist over at travelers is joining us scott thanks for joining us today hey great to be with you guys again thanks for having us scott we're going to jump into things in just a second informal poll though did you do any shopping on black friday or cyber monday uh some cyber monday stuff yes but not uh, black friday i try and avoid the crowds for that stuff I hear it. Smart man. Well, today we're going to talk about protecting your cargo, yes. right? If you're a freight broker, you're going to want to listen to this. We're going to be talking about vetting holiday season with so much freight moving around. Definitely more accidents, definitely more liability going out there, definitely more opportunity for theft and things like that. So when it comes to supply chain issues and the effects they are having on transportation, we're seeing all kinds of hiccups. So what are you seeing over there and how can you help? We, we all know about the bottleneck. We all know about the backup and freight. It's, it's talked about constantly. I was listening to, you know, to the, to the prior uh, segment, great conversation. So we're all aware of that. But what's not really talked about enough is what impact that has on cargo theft. And, and it does have an impact. It does create a scenario where you can see more cargo theft. And we have seen an increase. We're, we're lower in, in increase in 2021 than we were in 2020, but we're still way above 18, 19, things like that. And we're still at very high numbers. So that backlog also creates bigger opportunity for cargo theft as a whole. So uh, tell me, Scott, what does this act, what does this mean for freight brokers? What are we looking at here, Scott? When we see that capacity crunch, right? When we see that backup, a lot of times it's freight brokers that are asked to find the capacity, find a way to move the loads. If a trucking company is limited on the amount of trucks they have and they're at capacity for the trucks that they have, they may turn to their own division, their own freight brokering division to move that freight, find capacity. So we know that that is taxed. And when that happens, when you're at capacity, when things are moving so fast and you're, and you're really crunching it to try and get everything moved, you have to slow down for just a little bit and remember to really be cautious about vetting the carriers. Remember, we talked in the past that improper vetting of the carriers is one of the ways that a freight broker has a higher likelihood of becoming liable if there's a theft. Right. So give us a bit of background on what you mean by improper vetting. Sure. So if, if, if you're a freight broker and you're looking, you know, you have a manufacturer that asks you to move a bunch of TVs from, you know, California to New York, and that's a long trip. We're, you know, using it facetiously, but California to Texas, anything like that. You post that load out on a load board, or you're trying to find a reliable carrier to move that. But what if the person that responds is someone really posing as a legitimate trucking company, actually stealing the identity of that legitimate trucking company, and you end up booking the load with them? And then let's say that load of TVs disappears. Now, <clears throat> you start to call that number that you have, but suddenly no one's answering that uh, or responding to the email address that you were having communications through in the past. 
So you do a little more digging, you find the website for the actual trucking company that you thought you booked the load with. You give them a call and they say, they've never heard of you. They've never done business with you. They don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what do you do then? What, you know, what's the issue then? So basically, because the freight broker didn't properly vet them and determine that they were actually the trucking company they said they were, they have a much higher chance of becoming liable in that type of a scenario. Yeah. So, Scott, I mean, I'm having an aha moment here. Is that that's really a good example of strategic theft, right? Right. And that's what we've talked about in the past. So the, the three main techniques that we see most often in that category, identity theft, fictitious pickup and double brokering scams. And if you're a freight broker and you don't do your homework, you could end up being liable as a result of some of those scams. And that's the three most common ones. There are a ton of other ones out there, but those are the three most common ones that we see. Great point. Can you tell us some ways freight brokers can be better prepared then? You really have to have, freight brokers really have to have a solid vetting process in place. There's different models. There's a bunch of different models out there, whether it's, you know, having a, a, a group that just vets carriers and then hands it off to the people that book the loads or that everybody who books the loads also train on the vetting of the carriers. But you really have to train your team thoroughly. You have to really walk them through some of the red flags. And we've talked in the past here at Travelers, we have our special investigations group that recovers stolen goods for our clients. But they actually they actually also work with our clients to teach them best practices for things like vetting carriers. If you're a freight broker, we'll teach them those vetting methods. We'll teach them the red flags. What are the things that the bad guys do most often? And and we're very familiar with those ways. So lastly. Also, seek out different industry resources. You know, I, I currently I serve on the board for TAPA, which is the Transported Asset Protection Association for TAPA Americas. Uh, and we currently are working, uh, we have a work group establishing freight broker standards for, for TAPA members that will give companies a good outline of what they need to have in place for this. So there are resources out there, whether it's your insurance carrier or industry resources. Awesome stuff, Scott. I love it. Uh, so tell us, uh, before we close, any parting thoughts on what we can expect this holiday season? We always see a little bit of what we call a fourth quarter bump as we go through the holidays. Uh, there's more freight moving, so that creates more opportunity for theft. And the old adage, especially when you talk about the backlog, is that freight at rest is freight at risk. So the more you have sitting around, um, the more opportunity there's going to be. But this year, with a stress supply chain, everything is so backed up. There's a constant need. Everyone has their, their demand. Retailers can't keep the stuff on the shelves. And, and really, what we're seeing as one example is thieves really targeting electronics right now. And especially in Southern California, the numbers are through the roof on the number of electronic loads that are being targeted. So make sure you're aware of what's being stolen, how, and, 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 if you're doing business in those areas, you need to be very aware of that. And pretty much whatever we think is going to be popular for the holidays, so will the bad guys. And they're always going to steal what they know they can sell. So going forward as the supply chain levels out, we'll see this balancing again. So electronics will be more on par with food and beverage and then household goods and things that we've talked about in the past. Okay, lots to prepare for as we head into the holidays. You and the Travelers team have a happy holidays as well. And if you like what you heard, go check out Travelers.com. Amen. And protect your freight. And just be aware. Be aware. It's that, it's that type of season. You brought some great points. When there's more volume, there's more room for error in, in everything. It actually makes things kind Absolutely. of easier. I think some shippers, like, they have this misconception, and I know because I've gotten yeah. phone calls from them, that, like, there's armed guards guarding their freight. 
Yeah, and it they don't not. realize like what Brian was talking about earlier is that you know, 17 times it's going to be touched minimum international, yeah. right? A lot, there's a lot of opportunity for a lot for of opportunity to happen. Insurance very important. Let's go inside the newsletter. That's important Let's too. Do it. Well, Truck Newsletter comes out Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time in your inbox. Just go to freewheels.com slash WTT to subscribe for free. I also post it on social media, and we talk about it a little bit here. First thing we're going to talk about is very What the Truck Christmas. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Right it's coming up. It's our big special. It's December 17th. It's the biggest celebration in freight. And this year, we're having community freight trees. So your logo can go on there. Just think, we're going to set up a tree cam. So yeah. once this tree is set up, after work today, we're going to get it. We're going to decorate the ornaments we have. And as they come in, we're going to put more on. And we're going to prominently feature this damn tree. <laughs> on every episode we got until the Christmas special, including the Christmas special. So if you send us your ornaments with, uh, with the logo right on there, it'll be on there and it'll be on Freight Waves. Absolutely, TV. man. The other thing we're looking for that we love that went over really well last year were these holiday cheer videos, which is yes. just offices out there. If you got an Cinnamon. office out there, have some fun, film your team, wishing the freight community, the freight world, your clients, us. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you feel comfortable with. Keep it 20 seconds or less. Email it to me, tduner at freightwaves.com. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. If you want our address, too, email me as well. I just don't want to put that up on, on air for no reason. Right but if you want to send me something, I'll give you our address where you can send the ornaments to, and we will put that on the trade. That's going to be really cool. Now, I, before we leave, I want to look at these quick sonar charts. So let's look at these seven-day rate per mile. Throw that one oh, yeah, yeah. up there. So interesting, interesting stuff, because when we see the next chart, so you saw this jump up nine cents from last week. Yep. But, like, volumes and things like that did not jump. Right. But, like, you know, carriers are still like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. People are, from, are used to paying a little bit more. So they went out and they got it. True. And there was, <laughs> there was also a capacity side, uh, you know, uh, exodus. Right. Yeah. For going, I mean, drivers have been making a lot of money for a while, and they've been taking. They took a vacation. Yeah. And if you look at this it. next one, the outbound, the, the outbound volumes, because this has but been yeah, the perpetual the peak season. It was now not that, a volume side issue this year. Th- th- this shows exactly that perpetual peak season that, that Brian was talking about, though, right? Yeah. If you're looking at the blue, that's this year. You can stopped. see there earlier at, from September and October, it was higher than last year's numbers, which were incredibly high. And the only dips you see in there, the only the only drops you see are holidays. That's because exactly right. The, it's been perpetual. The rates have been good, yeah. so people are actually taking time to get off the road. One funny thing is the rejects weren't up majorly this Thanksgiving. They were not. No, I know. No. It was very interesting well, to see I mean, that. You're already at five, one and five. Right? Now, we're talking a bunch about Black Friday, so here's a little stats we have Black, and Fri- Black Friday had in there. Traffic at retail stores on Black Friday dropped 28.3% compared to 2019 wow. levels. They were up compared to last year. I think they were up 40% compared to last year, but last year was the throes of the pandemic, and everyone yeah, was scared was again. With the, yeah. Uh, yeah, no one really wanted to go out in the stores. Yeah. Um, the average promotional discount across retailers on Black Friday was 33.4% compared to the average discount usually of 30 37% that was offered in October and early this month. So retailers, you're wondering why the Black Friday numbers didn't do that well as our cyber money because the deals weren't that good. We already you did the deals earlier. People yeah. were shopping over there. We're scared about the supply chain. Um, cyber Monday, the full numbers aren't in, but uh, barely better than last year. People are expecting more growth. A lot of online retailers, I know like Molson Art, Michael Patron, and those guys, those six, seven, eight-figure Amazon sellers, are all should, they all shared numbers on Twitter today where they're showing that their, their numbers that would usually peak majorly now, their charts are upside down. They peaked before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Earlier in the pull, year. The so great pull forward. Hopefully a nice sustained thing. Hopefully yeah. a nice sustained thing for all those guys out there. We'll be back Friday. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Jones, C-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent, but dude, come on to me. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>